me ask you to turn to uh, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, as we uh, continue on in our series looking at the one another passages uh, in the New Testament. Now, we just sang, Jesus draw me ever near as I labor through the, the storm. You have called me to this passage, and I'll follow, though I'm worn. And two other just uh, beautiful verses here. Verses where it, it, it confesses that we are going through something that is hard. It is a calling from you. And yet, it's a part of what you have for me in this life. And it's a part of you making me what you want me to be. Now, how does one get to the point of not just singing that, not just mouthing the words, but really believing it? Which is more spiritual? To live by that great American theme of self-sufficiency. You know, God helps those who help themselves. Or to help bear one another's burden. Is that more spiritual? Or to let others help you bear your burdens. Which of those is more spiritual? We go all the way back to the first book of the Bible. And we, we see where Cain killed Abel. And then... God says, where is Abel, your brother? And then the answer with a question, am I my brother's keeper? What is the answer to that? Now, I've given you several questions to ponder on. I want you to ponder on them, but I'm convinced that this passage before us and the concept of this particular one another, which is bear one another's burdens, gives answers to those. Let's address them, but let's do it from God's Word. We read in Galatians 6, beginning with the first verse, Brothers, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. But if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one (coughs) test his own work, 
and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each, each will have to bear his own load. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, I know that there are people here today who are here even though they are laboring through a storm. And I know there are people here today who have earlier this month or this year labored through a storm. And there are also those who are about to labor through a storm. And so, Lord, we need to hear from you because no one would choose that path. And yet, it is a calling. It is a part of this life in this fallen world. And you use it for your purpose. But will you help us to grasp what our role in that is when we are laboring in that storm or when someone near us is. Will you teach us? We pray in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Now I've laid out the questions. I want us to jump right into this passage which begins in talking about the law of Christ. Uh, right there in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, we don't want to just pluck it out of its context. We've always got to look at the context as we do. And when you look at context, you look at what comes immediately before, what comes immediately after, and then what about the previous chapter or the following and then where does it fit in this book of Scripture, Galatians? And then what about in the New Testament? And then what about the Scripture? That's the complete context of any particular verse. We have got to understand this one because it's the context that makes it even more striking. Because Paul in this book of Galatians was fighting hard against those who were trying to make their way to God by keeping the law. They had heard the truth. They knew that that wasn't the way to get to God. And yet they had fallen into what uh, we might call the, the default setting. And that is that when we are not consciously living in the grace of God, we typically will fall into trying to work our way to God. And that's what happened. That's why Paul was so upset with these folks. He had preached them the gospel. They had grasped it. But now they were in some way thinking that they could just keep the law, and that's what they needed. Now, he addresses that in the strongest possible terms in the earlier part of the book. So why does he here 
talk about fulfilling the law of Christ. Why would he even bring that phrase up again when that's what he was uh, struggling against with these people, that their tendency was to, to try to obey the law in order to get to God? How do these two fit together? Well, what is the law of Christ? That's what we have to understand. Verse 2, I just read it to you. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Earlier in Galatians, you look at the context, Galatians 5, verse 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Earlier in the Scripture, we read in John 13, the words of Jesus, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And then John 15, verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Here's what's going on. Paul is saying, look, you think you want to obey the law The law is not what you think it is. You think the law is to uh, get circumcised or do some outward thing, some kind of outward obedience. I'm telling you, this is the law of Christ. This is how the law is summarized. And it is in loving one another as I've loved you. And here's how you do it. Bear one another's burdens. Now, let's take a look at that phrase there. The Greek word for uh, burdens there is the whole idea of it's a huge, it's a heavy load that is like, it's like freight that is being loaded onto something that you, by yourself, cannot possibly pick up. That's the, that's the essence of the word that Paul chose to use here. Now, that's important because he uses a different word later on to talk about a similar phrase. So here he's saying that, uh, you know, look, you've, you've got to bear with one another in this. Now, in understanding that, We've got to start with what he had talked about earlier in Galatians. And that is, there's already been the greatest burden that had to be borne by us, theoretically, has already been borne by another. And that is the burden of our sin. That's the same kind of burden. It's one that we cannot bear ourselves. And so he has already given the answer to that and he has said, look, you can't bear the burden of your sin yourself. Christ has done it on the cross. So that's established. That's the baseline here. That is, we may say, already assumed. The greatest burden for the believer has already been borne. But then we have to say, well, what about the other burdens? What about the things we go through in this life? If we don't have to worry about our sin any longer, 
because it's taken care of. We still go through these difficult times. Well, his typical way of helping us through those times is through the church, through the body of Christ. And that's why he uses the phrase, one another. And then there's another aspect of that. And that is the need to let others help carry your burdens. And for some of you, that's the hardest part. When I, on occasion, uh, uh, am at a, a meeting or a conference or something that is at the kind of hotel that I typically wouldn't stay at, you know, the kind that has bellhops uh, down in the lobby, usually I wouldn't stay at one of those, but I have occasionally uh, had to stay at those. I just have to tell you, I, I tend to grab my own luggage. It just grates on me. Now look, I believe those, those guys uh, or young ladies have uh, the right to uh, earn a living. And there are many people that enjoy that service, but I don't. I don't know whether it is because I want to save the quarter tip that you get. <laughs> you see why it bothers me? <laughs> and so, so typically I, I will just grab it and I'll just, uh, you know, go on up to my room and, and so on. You know what? I think that sometimes in the church we act like that. I'm just going to grab it. I can do this. I can, I can take my own. And, and we're, we're not just with, you know, one piece of luggage and then there's another one and then the burden, there's three more pieces of luggage there and we're still trying to carry it ourselves. There was a wonderful lady in uh, one of the churches I served up in Pennsylvania. Her name was Gay and she was a sweet lady she uh, picked up in her life uh, I'm sure dozens of children to take them to Sunday school every single week children that never would have gone to Sunday school a number of whom ended up coming to her funeral and were following the Lord but you know she, she got to the later part of her life when she was no longer able to drive, which was really hard for her. And she had family and she had any number of people in the church that desired and uh, begged her, Miss Gay, will you let us uh, pick you up? And she wouldn't let them do it. And I thought, oh, what she's missing how much she was missing of the fellowship in the church that she so loved. But the other thing was she wasn't just missing it. She was actually robbing other people of the opportunity to minister to her. We ought not to do that. Paul speaks to that here. 
Connie and I learned that lesson years ago when our first child uh, uh, broke his leg. It was a bad break. He was two and a half years old, and he had to be in a, a body cast from here down both legs. Two and a half year old, and Connie was seven months pregnant. Now, as you can imagine, he was in the hospital for a few days, and those were very difficult days to see your little one like that. And they were pretty overwhelming. But then we brought him home and began uh, doing the things we needed to do, and we just had lots and lots of offers in the church. And finally, Connie let somebody make some little shorts for him that could go on. And then someone else brought some food and, and a number of people who really desired to help us. We permitted them to. And you know what? It wasn't just a ministry to us. It was a ministry to them as well. That's what the body of Christ is for. That is the normal way that God wants us to deal with these burdens that are too heavy. Talks about bearing. Now, how practically can you do it? I want to give you three really, really quickly. One is the ministry of presence. And uh, I'm sure somebody has preached this somewhere sometime, and usually I'm not very good at uh, uh, picking all the same first letter, but this, would, this could be a sermon. The ministry of presence the ministry of perspective, and the ministry of prayer. That presence, listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, uh, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. Listen how he comforted Paul. By the coming of Titus. That's how God comforted Paul through his people, through the church. You think about Job uh, going through all that he went through and his friends did all kinds of really dumb things. They said things that theologically were not good and so on, but you know the one thing they did right? They were there. They were there with him. And then secondly, that ministry of perspective, and that is of the Word of God, a, a perspective on the Word of God. You know, when, when you're off by yourself, you, you can get things all out of perspective. It's not just sitting around sharing ignorance with one another. But there is safety and there is, there's truth in a multitude of counselors. And I'm not talking about beating someone down with the Bible or with verses, but bringing them a true perspective. And then the ministry of prayer, you know, our verse of the year, not about not being anxious, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, bring your requests before God. That's not instead of those other ministries, but it's in addition to. That's a part of bearing one another's burdens. C.S. Lewis said this in his letters to Malcolm. He said, 
uh, he, and he was saying when you pray instead of doing other things, I am often, I believe, praying for others when I should be doing things for them. It's so much easier to pray for a bore than to go and see him. <laughs> How's that for honesty? You know, in other words, don't use prayer so that you can distance yourself, but use it in addition to being there. None of that ministry can take place when one cuts themselves off from the body of Christ when they're going through difficult times. And I see that far too often. But you, 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 you can't be ministered to when you do that. And now's the time to decide it. You know, when you're here, you just got to make up your mind. I, you know, when I go through a trial, I will walk through it with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I won't disappear on them. I won't go off into a corner somewhere. I will be here and be honest about it. Catherine Green wrote uh, in her book, uh, In Darkness is My Only Companion. She had gone through extreme depression and bipolar disorder and so on. But this is what she says at one point about the importance of being around other believers. This is why it's so important to worship in community, to ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you. Sometimes you literally cannot make it on your own, and you need to borrow from the faith of those around you. Sometimes I cannot even recite the creed unless I'm doing it in the context of worship along with the body of Christ. When reciting the creed, I borrow from the recitation of others. Companionship in the Lord Jesus is powerful. We need each other, especially when you're walking through that storm. But then, what is the attitude in fulfilling the law of Christ? Look at verse 3 and 4. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let everyone test his own work, then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor. It's talking about humility. Some people fool themselves into thinking they're a whole lot greater than, than they are. Do you, do you remember, um, I'm getting to that point where I do illustrations, I've just about got to say, do you remember somebody, uh, Muhammad Ali? Yeah, many of you remember. He, his name before Muhammad Ali was Cassius Clay. And he was known for his, his pride and for talking about how great he was and and so on. Well, once he was on an airplane and they were preparing for takeoff and the flight attendant came over to him and said, uh, sir, you need to uh, put on your seatbelt. Muhammad Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The flight attendant replied, Superman don't need no plane. <laughs> those, those who take pride in themselves will eventually come crashing back to earth. Ultimately, that will be the case. 
Now, what's Paul? What do you think about Paul here uh, say, talking about someone who is thinking he is something when he is nothing? Is he just exaggerating by calling somebody nothing? John Calvin said, We have nothing of our own to boast about, but are destitute of every good thing. You see, that's not comparing ourselves to others. It's comparing ourselves to Christ. And, and that's where we're driven with this. In Him, we live and move and have our being. Now, here's the other side of our attitude, and that is our responsibility. In verse 5, Paul says, For each will have to bear his own load. Each will have to bear his own load. Now, at first glance, it looks like he's just absolutely contradicting himself. Bear one another's burdens. Each will have to bear his own load. Okay, Paul, which is it? What is it? Why would you say those two things? Well, it's back to the words there. The word load here is a different Greek word. It's not the one that he used earlier about this big freight that we can't possibly pick up ourselves. It's more like a small load, like a backpack. Something that you pick up and sling on your shoulder instead of leaving it there and saying, well, come on, isn't somebody going to pick it up for me? You see, that's the other side. Of it, There are things that God wants us to deal with. Now, the tricky part is figuring out which is which. But we need to understand that before, uh, before we uh, get crushed under the load, we've got to allow others to help us with the burden. Romans 14 says, each, so, uh, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. See, that's balancing the responsibility with that expectation. It, it's no accident that Paul uses the word brothers here a number of times. This passage begins and ends with that word, brothers. One commentator said, a whole argument lies hidden under this one word brothers let's go back to our introduction today Cain and Abel what about that question am I my brother's keeper I'm convinced Galatians 6 is the New Testament answer to that question if you're a believer, you should know that the answer to that question is yes, you are your brother's keeper. You're to care for your brother and sister in love, to be concerned for their welfare, never to feel superior or inferior, but in humility to serve and care for them. And if they fall into sin, you are to go and seek to draw them back.
to say, oh, that's none of my business, is sub-Christian. Paul makes it clear. It's fulfilling the law of Christ when we bear one another's burdens. So what's more spiritual? Bearing or allowing someone to bear our burdens with us? Both are a calling from God and in all likelihood at different parts of our life we will be called to bear the burdens with others or to let others help bear our burdens. Both of those are a calling. One pastor and author wrote the book, The Folly of Prayer. He shared a story about a a friend named Teresa who had married the, the love of her life, but she was experiencing really the dark night of her soul. She was so deep in depression that she began to write her own obituary. As a pastor, he went to visit with her. And he said he quickly realized he didn't have anything to say to her. He didn't have the answers. Nothing made sense to her that he could say to her. If you've been around someone in deep depression, you know what that's like. He realized he couldn't change her. And so he sat with her for a period of time in her pain. And then he said, well, I, Teresa, I don't have any idea what to say. So could we just read a psalm and let me pray? So he read Psalm 77, which is just, uh, if you read that sometime, you'll see it's a a psalm of lament, and it's, it can be agonizing. He read it to her, and then he prayed, and he left, and he went home, and he just he felt so empty as he just knew that he didn't help her in any way, and he felt so inadequate. Later that week, someone else went to visit and found the same thing, and finally just said, well, can I pray with you? And she said, yes, but before you pray, will you just read Psalm 77 to me? She said, I've been clinging to that. That's been my lifeline. This is what the young pastor says. At times, the best, most powerful, and most useful way to love someone is to get to the end of myself. I admit that I can't fix or change you. My words and my advice won't heal your brokenness, but I can be with you, and we can go together to the Father. You see, it's, it's offering Christ by your presence with your prayer and with his words. Brothers, bear one another's burdens. 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's bow together.